0: It's lonely on the road less travelled. It's isolated on the open sea. It's scary walking all alone. Pioneering requires bravery. B2B has the potential
1: to be electrifying. But the industry is paralysed by a culture of conservatism. Scared
2: stiff in a straitjacket of
1: rational ideas.
2: It's time for change. It's time to make B2B marketing visceral. Join us as we uncover
1: and explore the truth with leading B2B marketers.
2: This is B2B Marketing,
1: The Provocative Truth.
2: Welcome to B2B Marketing, The Provocative Truth. I am Richard.
1: And I'm Benedict.
2: Today, we've got an epic show for you. Um, No pressure. Yeah, no pressure. (laughs) Um, uh, No, seriously, really enthused. It's all around bravery in B2B, which we'll get into very shortly. Brian McCready, Head of Marketing at Adelshire Godnard. Welcome to the show. Thanks, guys. Thanks a lot for having me. Um, do you want me to quick intro? Yeah, absolutely. Yes, please. So yeah, head of head of
0: marketing at an international law firm called Adelshaw Goddard. It's a pretty epic place. So we, our clients are some of the biggest brands on the world, people like VW, Primark, Ted Baker. Um, and we practice over 50 areas of law in about 17 countries. And we just help people find the smartest way to achieve the biggest impact in their business. So yeah, I've been doing that a couple of years joined just before COVID. Uh, previously about 25 years in the industry at a place like Getty Images and AT&T and a bunch of other kind of industries. So yeah, it's been a good ride. I love it. Nice. have you found it going into the world of law? Do you know my, uh, so I, I was the marketing director for sport and media at yeah. Getty Images before, which is mm. an awesome product. Mm. Uh, and, you know, I was going to the NBA Knicks. I was traveling to like Champions League finals, was going to watch cricket. It, it, it was pretty awesome and a lot of my friends said to me you're quite nuts what are you doing giving that up to go into the law and yeah you know, i i left because just had uh just had my wife and i just had a second child yeah i was traveling away from home five or six months of the year i needed to be at home uh and wanted a domestic job and this just sounded really interesting and honestly i love it because you know in a, and i know we're going to talk about this today you yeah. want to tap into emotion in b2b and trust me in a law firm people are spending vast sums of money on making significant investments or they're facing massive risks which, yeah. which impact people's jobs and livelihoods and and businesses and so people are making pretty tough decisions and i found it's full of, of emotion you can see it in people's yeah. eyes and so yeah i love it. it's 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 been a really rich place to kind of do what what we do for
1: a living oh, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to getting to that cause obviously there is that preconception that law firms are quite sort of conservative stuffy places uh, but on Shore i think they're obviously a real success story in terms of how they've uh, their ascent over the past few years um so putting my sort of preconceptions around sort of law firms being conservative on one side just looking at b2b industry as a whole i want to come and sort of land a provocative truth you might not just might not agree maybe you do agree but we'll, we'll see but from my perspective and i uh, i do feel that there is a truth when i say that many many b2b marketers are too scared to to be bold, too scared to be brave when it comes to you know generating that emotional connection. And actually they don't really understand the cost of that sort of timid approach. Is that something you agree with, or you want to say that's bullshit? I absolutely nailed it, right? I mean it's it's I, I can't understand
0: why people don't try and push boundaries in, mm. in what we all do. I just I just don't get it because all the evidence academically Commercially, is, is that businesses that stand out from the crowd are more likely to get noticed, the more likely mm. to get chosen. And you know, there's been countless surveys, studies, research things from the likes of McKinsey through to Wark, through to System One, Thinkbox. There's loads of people have done work on it. You know, e- economic schools have done classes on it. Yeah. I just don't see how people can't spot the logic that you know the the, the strategic truth of it is that you. Know, you if you do the same things in the same ways as everybody else, you're a commodity mm. and it means you're easily replaceable mm. with somebody else that does exactly the same thing as you. And, and as a core business strategy, you don't want to be easily replaceable. So in your pricing, your propositions, your communications, your branding, your yeah. products, you have to be creative. You have to be different. So, yeah, I think you know I, I I don't understand why people wouldn't push boundaries to try and stand out more. I just don't get it. And do
1: you think that the blame lies with B2B marketers? or are there any other extraneous factors which are holding them back? I know there's a whole bunch of factors that, that do hold people back,
0: but, but ultimately, it's, if you want a provocative truth, you'll have probably heard this expression, but. That there's no such thing as a boring product, just boring brands and boring marketers. I don't then have you heard that expression? And, and I haven't. I'm going to use it. So. Yeah, and and and, and that's that, it's a hateful thing. And and, and you know yeah. we can't we can't point fingers at, at, at marketers. Some of the things aren't our own doing. There's a mm. lot of barriers that we could probably mm. talk about that, that get in the way. I was just talking with somebody yesterday that's you know a chief marketing officer that's just had the stuffing kicked out of them for ten years because people don't want to mm. try things. So. There are a lot of barriers, but, you know, we, we, we have to try. And, and I think b 2 B's incredible. Every single thing in this studio we're in right now was put there by a B2B brand. You know, my, my son and I, my kids and I, we went and saw the, the Thor movie in the cinema. And, you know, the credits last nine minutes and every single one of them is a B2B person. Everything yeah. in all the hospitals we visit was put there by B2B. You know, every banana and every apple we eat got to our houses. Yeah because of b2b it was farmed it was shipped it was insured it was funded you know I, I i think the products are amazing i think it's so much fun i just find some people struggle to find ways to articulate that in a distinctive way Definitely. but we can help there's, there's there's tactics right you know there's things that people can do
1: uh, absolutely i mean at the i mean it's just a shameless plug of of alan but a big part of actually our, our manifesto is that you know there are electrifying stories in B2B that simply no one is telling. And I think that was just what you've described there in terms of B2B sort of operating in the background to create the fantastic experiences, whether that's, you know, cuisine experiences, whether that's, you know, through sort of like the the cinema industry, like absolutely. But just coming back to the B2B marketer and, you know, what maybe they could do to actually sort of like drive through the change. I'm, I'm interested to know, do you think that B2B marketers, as, and in, in general anyway, are always trying to make excuses for why they can't be bold, why they can't be brave, rather than actually sort of taking on the accountability themselves and saying, no, I'm going to change this and I'm going to drive it through and I'm going to win that argument? I think it's certainly true that the change has to come from us. Yeah. You know, that's what we're ultimately paid to do.
0: Um yeah, you know, what what gets in the way of that? The, the, there are a myriad mm. things. You know, I, I got friends that work in big, global, mature, market-leading businesses, and if if you're the market leader, there's less of an incentive, less of an imperative mm. to try and rock the boat. Um, some businesses have got such tiny budgets, they probably feel, how can I rock the boat and change mm. things? So th- there are there are kind of things that, that get in our way. But wh- I think one of the things that's gotten in our way, and, and I don't think this is all marketers' fault, um, is, is that the world's become very formulaic, right? For the last 10 years, mm. we've all been regaled by things about like, this is how you should do ABM, and this is how you should do content marketing, and this is how inbound marketing works. And we all hear it, we all hear the stuff about website optimization. And I think, as an industry, we've done a terrible job at just trying to lead marketers down the wrong path and thinking that is the answer. And we've become so formulaic that some people think, oh, trust in the formula is going to work. But mm. we all forget that every other bloody marketer that we compete with has got the same playbook, the same tech, is following the same you know formula that you are. How on earth are you going to stand out? And I think the industry's lost its way a bit because we've hit people with formulas and tech, yeah. and we've lost the magic a little bit and you know I think we, we were having a chat on the phone right recently yeah. and I was I think I shared a story about you know somebody sent me a chrome spade once and it, you know that stood out I didn't there wasn't a piece of content in sight they just made their message you know and I borrowed that idea with, with pride my teammates and I you know get the images so um, Oscars night, one of the biggest nights of the year, we were one of the official photographers for the Oscars. Um, we had a load of photographers down there and every single person in the marketing team, every single person in their editorial team was working all night that night. And it was the same every year to kind of get images sent off to our clients around the world. So clients get them on their websites and in their magazines and in yeah. their newspapers the following morning. And, you know, the, the, the modern approach to marketing is people said let's do a content marketing campaign and let's maybe do a video about what's going on in the studio that night uh, and and one of the ladies uh, in in the team she just had a bright idea she she just cut through it with just some simple human empathy and she said you know what we're staying up all night every single newsroom every single media room on the planet is up all night doing the same things as us why don't we just send them a can of red bull and some hand cream and 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 you know and a nice little card saying you know we're up all night you are too good luck we'll see you on the other side just a lovely little human yeah. moment and it was it cut through and it didn't need all of that kind of abm website optimization stuff that we hear and i'm not a luddite i, I apply all that stuff in my day job it's just that people have forgotten there are sometimes other ways to stand out
2: but i, I agree i think that um when you, you mentioned about budgets sometimes we get um in our heads that the most creative ideas are the most expensive ideas we've spoken about it before on the podcast they're not Right It just requires a different way of thinking and a different approach. do you think that the comparisons between you know you hit how often do we hear this right B to B isn't B to C B to C marketers you know have bigger budgets they can afford to do some really creative things. The other thing is, if they're a B2C organisation, they aren't sitting on their hands when they're a massive organisation, they've got a monopoly on a market because they know that they've got a competitor breathing down the neck that's gonna do a very creative thing. But do you think that B2B marketers have kind of got a little bit um, entrenched in this idea that they're not B2C, so why should they be creative or why can they be creative?
0: Do you know, I hope not. I fear some might, but I think that's a narrative that we're just telling ourselves you know, I, I, and I don't think it's a real narrative. But why is it getting
2: plugged all the time then?
0: I, 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 I don't know. I, I just can't understand it. I mean, you know, n- no disrespect to, to B2C because, you know, our cousins. They do the same job as us. They work in tough conditions, right? They've got tough competitive markets. They've got their own problems. But you know what? i I got friends that work for crisp manufacturers and people that make shoelace brands and work for, like, toothpaste brands and stuff. And, and you know, it's cool, but... know people that work in you know do marketing for you know people that make airline like you know airplanes or people that are doing mri scanners or people that are making like you know the latest wave of fintech or prop tech tech which is really cool and really exciting and and i don't know how people can't see these products that we're all working on that we all love and adore aren't super cool and let's market the hell out of them i i i don't know how people could possibly think that you know the latest greatest piece of prop tech isn't as sexy as a toothpaste right. brand. I just don't um, see where that... I mean, so you're, you're I, I think we've got to get over it, right? You know, It's, it's, it's only us that are talking about... Uh, not yeah. us, three, The, the yeah, industry. Yeah. I, I don't see it. I, I think people have just got to get over it and get out there and start pushing boundaries. And, and maybe there's other things. Maybe people just aren't seeing enough good stimulus yeah. and enough good examples and enough people pushing boundaries and they haven't had any... Yeah, They've been lulled into just put more and more and more content yeah, that's out. That's it.
2: And when you go back, you, you talk about you know how we've been manufactured to just do things a certain way. We obviously ask the question that we ask at the end of the, the podcast, which we'll go through today, which is, when do you last feel in your guts, right? And the issue is, is that a lot of B2B marketers find that very difficult to answer. Mm. And I do think it's a bit of a snowball effect, like you say. The more we see, the more boundaries that we'll want to push because it's in our market. Yeah. But if they're not there... Mm. Who's going to strike first and second and third? You know, there's that, there's
0: that old adage. Uh, I think the cartoonist is Tom Fishburne, who I've had a chat yeah. with, by the way. I don't know yeah, really you yeah. know him. He's like a lovely, lovely guy, yeah, Californian. Yeah. And, you know, he, he, he did a, one of his famous cartoons. I, I won't get the wording right, but it was... Yeah, a cartoon. I think in a marketing room somewhere, and somebody said, "Look, yeah, we really, really want to push boundaries. I love this idea, but can you tell me three people that have already done it?" Mm. And exactly, it just yeah. it, it kind of got straight to the point that people don't want to be the first. And it is, you know, the, the word bravery. You know, we're we're talking about it today, and I've heard there's this train of thought that that it's an unfair piece of weight to put on marketers' shoulders that you've got to be brave. It kind of sounds risky, um, you know. It's, people don't want to put their jobs on the line necessarily the way i look at it maybe switch the dynamic right it's not about being brave you know there is an element, if you don't take any risk we're not going to get any rewards but you just got to be different, right? You just got to be distinctive from everyone else, because otherwise, how are you going to get seen? How are you going to get chosen? That's the business imperative. We're all mm. here to kind of get seen, noticed, chosen, and get repeat purchased. And you've you've got to be distinctive from other people. So I I I'd probably change the narrative from being brave to just being different and being distinctive because it's smart. And I know distinctive and different. We've all heard the words. Byron Sharp's been using them for ages. Mark Ritson, but that's the truth of it. If you're not distinctive, it's You're not being smart, but the
2: the irony is, sorry Benny, the irony is, is that brave sounds expensive. Distinctive doesn't sound as expensive in the in the thought process of well, certainly my thought process. You know what I mean? From uh, a marketing perspective.
1: Interesting. I mean, I think. I don't know, I'm not, I'm not sure I necessarily fully agree with it but I, I definitely agree with the sentiment yeah, of the conversation uh,
2: Well, just listening to it then you know, it, it, it does feel like brave bloody hell that's going to cost me an arm and a leg well, I think the thing with bravery actually it's, not, it's less about
1: the cost it's about, it's about the psychology and I think it's what you're sort of talking about is that people don't want to put their job on the line and they want to ha- work from precedent all the time and if you work from precedent and that's obviously the point of the Fishburn sort of uh, cartoon you were referring to, you're never going to do anything new just by its very nature, that it would be a paradox But the world changes.
2: Mm. You know, even when marketers go into roles and they, you know, cookie cutter and they eat, sleep, repeat what they did in previous roles three, four, five, six years ago because it worked. Mm. The world changes, you know, post-COVID. Everything, you know, has a a life cycle. And if you don't innovate, if you don't change, you're always going to be one step behind.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of marketers out there that aren't having to push too hard because they're in a they're in a, a market where their market is growing so fast you know if you were one of the you, you know look back a couple of years when we we're in covid if you sold webinar software you didn't have to market too hard the thing was getting sold so quickly you didn't have mm-hmm. to be creative and and i think there's a lot of people particularly in startups and they're in a new area and everyone's growing and everyone's getting a slice of the pie it's like great my content seems to be working i'm, I'm getting new leads but there's an interesting point i think that happens for most businesses as soon as the market growth slows down and then you're looking around and think oh now i've got still market share from somebody else to grow because the pie the, mm-hmm. the, the size of the pie isn't yeah, yeah. like growing year on year all of a sudden then you suddenly realize oh now i'm going to have to graft harder to to win more to share same, than basically. they are yeah, yeah and it's that point when you've got to be more creative yeah so there's probably marx is listening that you know thinking i just don't need to and they probably don't because their market's growing so fast but some of us when you're in a mature market or you know, the market's not growing and you have to fight pretty hard. And that's where creativity comes. So some marketers just don't have to. There's other marketers are probably, I, I reckon, most of the people I know are trying their hardest to really push boundaries. But influencing people internally to spend money and to try different things, That the influencing skills might not be there in some cases. Yeah, you know, it's, it's tough. It's, it's, there's no, we're having to push hard think, with people that may be a quite rational yeah. thinkers in our business and I don't think, want to push too hard.
1: I mean, I think that in terms of just coming back to the sort of the semantics around it, I think that in order for you, um, sorry, <laughs> in order for you to you know gain market share, if you were to respond to sort of a declining market or whatever, you've got to be creative in terms of innovating and doing things differently. But that's sort of one thing which is a creative mindset and as I said that that look to sort of to innovate in terms of whether it's your proposition, in terms of your, your, your product, in terms of your marketing approach. But where I think that the bravery aspect still comes in ties into what has been historically misunderstanding around the role of emotion within b2b marketing now you mentioned a number of studies and obviously burnett and field absolutely sort of renowned for sort of that seminal um study around sort of like uh that 50 percent of decision making within b2b is still made from an emotional sort of like basis i think that where it requires bravery is to launch yourself into emotion-led marketing within B2B. Now, I know it's all kind of related because there aren't those sort of historical precedents, but that's where, you know, there's such a big sort of communication piece to the rest of the business and or just a feeling of uncomfortableness because it's such a departure from traditional means of advertising. Now, f- from your perspective, are, are you seeing the, the movement in the, the right way? And are you seeing marketing teams within B2B sort of like environments really embracing that opportunity to engage emotionally with, you know, really, really sort of like compelling, creative work.
0: Yeah, I, I, it's an undeniable movement. Mm-hmm. I think it's a different world now than it was five or six years ago. I think we've re- remembered partly what our profession is mm-hmm. about. I mean, I'm old enough now to have learned all the dark arts of the, the magic and the art form of marketing and the creative skills. Mm-hmm. That was what we majored on, I guess, when I started in my career. And, and I think it's come full circle. So I, I guess now what's probably more interesting is is whether this generation of marketers, my peer group, do they know how to tap into the emotion? I think people have heard it enough mm. to know that they have to. And I now I think people on the journey will okay, how do I do it? And where's the the magic? And and the, how I the the people I work with, the people I try and help, because I'm mentoring a few people in yeah. the industry at the moment. Yeah, the, the word emotion kind of I, I guess it hinders people they think you know how how can my dental implant technology be that Im- emotional and and I, I look at uh, creativity it's the same way others do it's just you're just trying to evoke some side of re- some sort of response in your mm. reading you're just trying to do things in a slightly interesting way or an intriguing way there's no dark art mm. to that right you just How can I make this possibly topic, this topic, sorry, possibly sound a little bit more interesting than it was? And how do I get person on the other side, a fellow human being to care about what I'm saying?
2: It's the same in sales, right? So obviously sales over the years have been trained quite significantly on finding a problem, making sure that you get into the, you know, root of that problem with the potential buyer. And then when the time is right, you know, convert the problem into the solution. You've got the solution for them, but you have to probe hard on the problem with emotion in in marketing it's exactly the same you have to find something that resonates with the audience that they get emotional about in order to then sell them an idea or a creative concept i think it comes
1: down to the empathy and you gave the example on the oscars night you know that sort of that moment of intuition as it was in that particular thing, but a realization of what that human experience would be like from their their side and really great creative work. um, And if you want to get a virtual response requires an understanding of that sort of that human truth. How how do you go about as a, as a marketer, you know, building a system where you can surface those human truths? How do you, within your sort of like remit at the moment with Shaw Goddard get into the minds of you know your target market i don't know whether that's general councils or whoever whoever it yeah. might be think beyond the sort of you know the rational problems that rich was talking about there from a sort of a sales perspective and actually sort of get to what that sort of human experience that they're sort of experiencing at the moment and build a corresponding campaign yes
0: yeah, i guess it's the, the cliched answer there's probably nothing revelatory about mm. it but just go out and meet some mm. talk to people do market research you know when you're asking questions of colleagues internally, you know mm. in our place, our partners are amazing. they invest so much time in us they 're yeah. like, yeah wicked you know um but when they they talk about you know what clients are going through, we just ask well why what and and how does that manifest itself and keep mm. on asking yeah. why, keep on probing until you get to the underlying truth of it and 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 the answer normally pops out there's normally a few classic examples you know because they you know clients are looking for peace of mind or they just want a problem to go away yeah. or they're wasting time on this and it's dragging them down and they want to yes. focus on this there's normally a human truth yeah somewhere in there but yeah so i i, I feel pretty fortunate that the, the thing that i've done a lot of in the early part of my career um i spent a lot of time at client premises in in most of the industries i've been in a made sure I've gone out, met 30, 40, 50 clients at their premises just to mm. try and learn about them. And, and okay, that sounds like quite an intense thing to do, but honestly, it, it's life changing from yeah. a marketer's perspective because you really get to see how little they care about your marketing or how little they're engaging with it. You have to kind of witness it or, mm. or look at how their products are actually changing their mm. life. I was, I was talking to somebody recently about they really, yeah, I, I witnessed a, a, somebody I know using a product and we all thought the product was amazing, but yeah, they were then taking, they were having to download stuff in a spreadsheet out of this tool and then go and manipulate it in a spreadsheet saying, God, that must be a pain in the ass. And they're saying, yeah, I wish the product did it. And you suddenly thought whoever sold that product and thought this product's amazing, but they didn't realize it in the real world, somebody's having to like actually take all the data out and do something completely different with this data to make it usable. And that product owner had never asked this user: "Is, is our product working for you? Is mm. it doing everything you want?" And the guy was like, "No, they've never asked me. It's part of the crap. This product. I have to spend hours and hours and hours manipulating the mm. data. Um, yeah, it wasn't wasn't yeah. something we as a law firm do. I just happened to be with a yeah, friend of, of mine that was working on this piece of kit. And, and you know, so people g- g- get out in the field more and yeah. probe why and how does it how does it matter? But we're all human beings." Yeah. We, I think we've got to learn to instinctively know and just not rely on data about what's going to move a fellow yeah. human being. And, and there was a, there was another classic piece of info, I think it was Workday who do I think, yeah, like HR yeah. tools. And I think they did this thing where they saw that, that they'd invested in a product feature and their rival was discontinu- discontinuing this product feature. So they could have put content out about, or a press release about, look, we're still doing it. But what they did was they sent red roses to this other client's This other suppliers, clients, and saying, "Well, we'll still love you. You know, we'll still be there for you. We we love this." Yeah, and that just that little red roses moment. I thought that's just genius. It's it's so clever. Mm -hmm. It's finding a human insight. And I I don't want to sound like a luddite. I use data just like everyone else. I won't make any decision without some research or some data behind it. But I'm also prepared to make a leap. And I think that's where that's where the best
1: brands are kind of prepared to kind of. Try something, and, yeah. and just just for a quick. I appreciate you you questioning question, but I think you 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 talked earlier around sort of like you were schooled in sort of creativity within marketing. Funnily enough, a podcast that we were doing earlier this week um, with uh, the CMO of um, Ionos, isn't it, mm. Annabel? Um, and we were talking about the skill set of the modern marketer, and we were sort of like posing that. Given the way that marketing has moved recently, which is so much about performance, so much about sort of, you know, the the analytics almost and the data that you just described. From your perspective, is the modern cohort of marketer that's coming through, do they have that skill set that's actually required to sort of, you know, have that human intuition and think creatively in the way that you've just described?
0: I. It's a great question. I, I guess... Uh... By default, they've learned different skills than we did, Mm. you know, so the classic stuff that, you know, my generation of marketers learned was how to build a product, how to go and do market research, how pricing works, how to run creative campaigns, kind of the old school classic stuff. But you know what? It it never goes out of fashion, you know, knowing Mm. how pricing works. And, and kind of knowing how to develop a product and knowing how creativity works. So I, I feel pretty blessed that we've learned that. And I think there's been a generation of marketers come through that have spent much more time working about search engine optimization, wondering about how to game the LinkedIn algorithm. But you know what? They bring other school uh, skills mm. that I don't have. And I find it's the blend and old and new. It's the two together working yeah. is, is where the dynamite comes in. So you know, I've, I've got a team of marketers working with me, for me. Uh, and and they, they have skills that I'll, I'll never have But, you know, I bounce off them, they bounce off me, and that's where the perfect partnership... I hope that they're learning some of the dark arts from me, and I'm certainly learning some new skills from them. So I I don't think it's them or us. I think it's them and us, really. Yeah. going to sound like a right old-timer, right? No, (laughs) I
2: I think your point around, um, you know, needing the data to, you know, inform your decisions, but making sure that that's backed up by getting out to the market and asking questions. I think, you know, one of the things that I've just taken from what's just been discussed is... Asking why it sounds very small, right? But a lot of the time you, you ask a marketer, how, how well do you know your, your customer? And they go, yeah, I know them. You know, we've got these spreadsheets, we've got this data and we've got, um, you know, I speak to the salesperson once every three weeks, whatever. I know my customer. Well, actually, you have to really dig in to get the golden nuggets to inform your yeah. creative. And I think that's really important. It's If you think you know your customer, ask why five more times to the customer and to the sales rep, and then decide whether you know your customer or not. Because that's probably where the, go- the kryptonite is. It's actually getting to a stage where the customer thinks it's not that you know valuable information, or the salesperson doesn't, but you as a marketeer go, that's different. And Here, here's what we can use that is going to be our different thing in the marketplace.
1: Providing the marketer isn't Superman because kryptonite would be awful for, <laughs> There we go. <laughs> but you're Marketing right. dynamite.
2: Marketing dynamite.
1: <laughs> look, so as we've been talking around this, the importance of getting that sort of emotional engagement, we talked about bravery earlier. And from my perspective, something that I've been sort of like working with quite a lot sort of recently is the need to, when you are doing marketing or your brand is to create an in crowd and an out crowd. And so sort of a bit of a philosophy that I've been playing around with is that any sort of marketing communication almost has to have a bit of a divisive element. You've got to actively get people to qualify in and you've got to actively get people to qualify out. So some people have got to hate what you're doing and almost be repelled by it and other people because there is that sort of repulsion really really loving it what's your take on that need to be divisive in the way that you position yourself as a brand through your sort of creative expression
0: oh man I'm 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 torn I'm torn on this one Um, I can't imagine many b2b marketers wanting to be divisive I don't know that that's what our employers and our CEOs and the like really want Mm. there's probably some upstart tech brands and stuff out yeah. there that, that might want to because you know what's certainly true if you go and break some eggs you're going to get noticed mm. um, so I don't know there's many people want to be divisive but I, I think you can cut through to the masses and get famous without being divisive you know J.K. Rowling's not gone out to be divisive with yeah. Harry Potter and yet the whole world knows who it is. so I just think um, amazingly interesting well-written well-designed yeah. beautiful things can cut through i think yeah. i think you can be interesting and still be famous without being divisive but there's there's a point that you said though that does resonate with me that if if no one really really loves what you're doing what's the point but if somebody really really loves it by default there'll be somebody that really hates it as well because we're all so different and and i, th- I think you have got to push Boundaries yeah. a, a little bit, and and there is a risk that some people might not go for it. Um, so yeah, I, I'm torn on it. I, I just try and make things as as, as interesting as possible, and, and just remember that you can't bore people into submission. Mm. You can't bore people into liking you, liking your brand, clicking on things. And so, by default, if you're going to make things some unboring, somebody out there won't like it. But yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know if I'd be too insulting or anything. in specifically no. no, in no, the no, no, no. To, I think, but, think it's
1: about being in, insulting. And we, when I sort of use the word divisive, I'm yeah. deliberately using a relatively sort of like provocative or sort of charged word. But um, it, almost if you come back to sort of the very basics of how people create identity and identify things with things. You've got to create those boundaries where people can say, okay, well, I am this and I am not that. And I think that's what really, really great creative needs to do. It needs to get some people getting that sense of identification. But by virtue of some people really seeing themselves in it, other people don't. And then you can create those really strong c- tribes and you can create tr- create that sort of loyalty and engagement as a result.
2: And, and the thing about B2B is we have very specific target audiences, right? Yeah. So it goes back to knowing your target audience. As long as the people you want to sell to love it who cares about the people that you're not selling to it's completely like,
1: true and I, you know yeah absolutely and this is where it all ties together in terms of marketing sort of like classic which is segmentation and targeting yeah. but if you segment your audience you know who you want to yeah. target and I, you know what's going
2: to resonate I, I with them I see Brian's Bang. face going no yeah, but what about the secondary and tertiary audiences rich oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, what about
0: I the,
1: don't, I don't what about the multiple
2: stakeholders in the decision making process <laughs> people just buy,
1: like, centers. <laughs> so buy people centers don't talk <laughs> like
0: that though don't they it's like you know, we don't use that
1: like, we the audience keep
0: it kind of simple yeah, but you yeah. know there was there was one that I admired and it was kind of innuendo and, and I bet that they had some sleepless nights before they launched it. it was a, there's, a, there's a brand that does heating and ventilation equipment called New Air and they launched this product called Dave. Uh, and well, Dave was don't. an acronym for something. Oh, really? uh, D- Dynamic Attenuation yeah. R- Ventilation. Not, yeah, yeah. Something. And, and, and they, they launched efficient. this thing and, and, and this thing was um, they were selling it, it was B2B they were selling it to people that install and buy aircon units for People's homes, so they weren't selling direct to homes. They sell it to trade and yeah, to yeah. put it in. And this thing they said you can put it in a bedroom. It's really, really quiet in the bedroom, and it, you know. And they were just using heavy doses of innuendo, and, and it's quite sensitive, and and. You know, they were saying, you know, and, and it could go up against the wall or it could be hung from a ceiling. And it's a day's really well hung. And they were doing all these I kind of lines, that. right? And and you know what? That, that took some guts, right? And yeah, somebody yeah, out there is yeah, yeah. going to be quite offended by that. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of quite an old school style yeah. of humor. Their sales were off the scales, right? And so, you know, they've probably been quite divisive. I admired them because that yeah. took some Uh, that that was divisive that's polarizing and and that's not right for all brands and there's not many people that are going to get away with innuendo but fair play they tried it and their sales went went through the roof yes and you're thinking okay um that's that's divisive and you know it's not for every brand but i i admired them for doing it from a professional perspective i think you've talked
1: yourself into my divisive thinking (laughs)
0: i I I I, I mean we i'll I'll give you one live i'll give you one live example we did one once where we were doing a graduate recruitment campaign and i worked for i won't say which brand but we 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 worked for a brand and we weren't getting the caliber of all the talent or the number of applications that a few of our far bigger more prestigious rivals were getting yeah and we ran a campaign said you're going to find it really hard to get in here and the, the the application shot through the roof it was like you know, a, quite a polarising message. But as soon as you said, it's, it's, it's tough to get yeah. in here, don't apply if you're not up for it. But if you do get in, you're going to do some amazing things. And it I think we had something
1: like a 40% spike in applications in a yeah. week. So, so last but,
2: week it wasn't tough, yeah. but this week yeah. it is tough. Down, it.
1: Yeah, that laying down the challenge, it's, it's a really effective marketing tool. I mean, you, you just think of the, the Royal Marines ad, 99.9% of people need not apply. You yeah. know, it, It's that same sort of like solid psychology, you know, lay down the challenge and you will get... The people that want to prove themselves and perform and in the context of you know academia you want to get those people that want to perform and prove themselves and in the context of you know being a marine it's a fairly sort of elite sort of unit and again similar sort of a
2: we've had a great conversation but to top this conversation off you've brought a poem with you
0: yeah i did so this could be utterly cringe but yeah so it's a bit of a bit of a thing recently i've done a few but you, you invited me to talk about bravery and i thought let's try and respond to that in a kind of a semi-brave way yeah. so this could be utter garbage but let's give it a whirl so it's just it's, it's about Wonderful. a minute it's about a minute long and and i'm gonna have to read it from a piece of paper because i'm not a performance artist so. You, you do you, Brian. right so I'll, I'll just look at the color drain before <laughs> so all right here we go it's called bravery it's lonely on the road less traveled it's isolated on the open sea it's scary walking all mm-hmm. alone pioneering requires bravery Because it's harder finding discoveries where many have trampled before, if we aspire to make breakthroughs, we must venture and explore. And just as fresh discoveries are best found on new terrain, it's only fresh marketing tactics that bring extraordinary gains. You can't win hearts and minds with marketing that's boring, trying evocative tactics is both more fun and more rewarding. Plus repeating tired old formulas is also forgettably unfulfilling, and it almost certainly won't get our target audiences clicking. We're each contesting competitive ground and must must carve out a distinctive place. But there's more room at the margins. Pushing boundaries creates space. And finding space from others is the way to get a scene. It's easier standing out when you're not one of the sardines. So it's not risky being different. It's risky not standing apart. Being distinctive is not a brave move. It's simply being smart. So go where others aren't and try what others won't. Experiment more than rivals and do the things they don't. Let's take the road less travelled and sail on open seas. Let's try doing something special and reveal wondrous opportunities.
2: Well done. Very so good. Well, very good. Cut cut that, that will make the cut.
0: I thought you've got to talk about it in slightly different ways. so that's yeah. what the poetry's all about. So, um you Can't win hearts and minds without bravery.
1: There we go. Very good.
0: Good. But that's the, I mean, it's the thing. Should, we, we, we've got to try, right? You know, mm. We're all fighting that competitive world and, and you can't do the same as others. It's just the basic facts of life. So... Um you know, I just think it's the cornerstone of strategy. People get so focused yeah. on the creativity. It's
1: just, this is just basic strategic skills. It's just be different from the other people and get chosen. Oh, I mean, to be honest, I think that's probably a lovely sort of sum up of the, the poker, yeah, don't think. we need to do our traditional, traditional <laughs> that, one traditionally
2: that's our worst yeah, bit yeah, so, they, <laughs>
1: so, so marketers you're not a sardine go and swim in the open ocean there yeah, we go great oh, yeah.
2: I'll use that one actually <laughs> <laughs> uh, good stuff look we've got one final question for you Sure. you've actually answered a, a, this kind of throughout the podcast but um, hopefully you've got one more left in the tank um, so we asked this to all our guests when was the last time a piece of marketing made you feel it in your guts
1: you don't, you don't think Dave was qualify for that well I do but, but I want more, really more. <laughs> more, I think, I think more more days. more That day one was Dave outrageous so I think fair
0: play to them right yeah, yeah. it wasn't my cup of tea <laughs> but oh my god like you know they've got some some guts so yeah I, 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 I'm, I'm easily inspired there's loads of brands I think agencies like you guys are doing great stuff all the time um, and it really inspires me and I I borrow it with pride often. The ideas, but yeah, there was one. There was one. This is like a total nerdy one that I loved. Right, so the inner scientist in me. I, it was by GE, General Electric, and they do um, they do all sorts of underwater acoustic equipment, all sorts of underwater sound sensing equipment, and dampening equipment because no one wants noise pollution on under, underwater pipelines and underwater mm. cables. So they've got this quite sophisticated technology that they sell. But rather than go out and just put out a piece of content about how amazing their acoustic technology is, they showed us, and, and they did it in the most dramatic way possible. So they, um, it was set in, um, in a temple in Asia, and they had one of these big temple bells, this huge thing, you know, it's four times the size of a human being, and they were going to go and bang this thing, and it makes this deafening, deafening noise, and they put a sleeping baby in a cot right next to it, And they surrounded this cot with just this uh, noise dampening technology that they've got so that you bang this huge bell and literally a few feet away the baby couldn't hear it everyone else stood around it's like deafening but this if, baby if just a few wrong, things that, yeah. Like, oh yeah, yeah but it was like they showed <laughs> you <some> oh, <laughs> yeah I know and, 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 and like they showed you the science behind it it's called destructive interference where you just take the signal from something yeah. and live invert it so it cancels a yeah. signal out. it's quite cool so it's quite scientific and they showed you and this is what we use in, in yeah, all of yeah. our stuff but they just showed you and like sleeping babies who's not going to like that and it was really a visceral way and it was the classic we all grown up with this and look at you the show don't tell right That's yeah. all they yeah. did you could yeah, tell yeah. people how good it is or can show them, and I just thought, Oh my god, this is amazing! and it was like two million views in minutes, yeah. sort of thing, you know, and it went a bit viral for them, and, and that hit me in the guts just because I thought that's bloody clever. Yeah. Um, you know, who, who sat there and dreamed, How do we show off this under, underwater sensor that we've got? Yeah, it's yeah. brought a baby by in a temple in Asia.
1: It was amazing, loved yeah. it. So Fair Play G. They did a whole series. I think they called them the Unimpossible Missions as well. Was right. It was yeah. one of them. Yeah. It was yeah. one yeah. of the
2: them. That, that well. yeah. of the yeah.
1: It was one of them, yeah. Mission, so there, was,
0: uh, there yeah. was three or four. There was yeah. one about you could actually like get sound through a wall or something. I can't yeah. remember. It was like, pretty amazing. Uh, they,
1: they, I mean, they, they have huge production value as well. But great yeah. ideas. And I think that's just an example. You take a really great idea that it can scale yeah. You know, in a number of different ways. So... Yeah, fantastic, fantastic. Yeah.
2: Been lovely. Thank you so much for coming on the show, my friend. It's been really, really good. Show. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for inviting me. B two B marketing: the provocative truth is brought to you by Allen Agency. To find out more, head to allen-agency.com. You can stream B2B Marketing The Provocative Truth on Apple Podcasts, Spotify,
1: or anywhere else great podcasts are found. And don't forget to click subscribe to ensure you don't miss out on any future episodes.
2: On behalf of the team here at Allen, thanks for listening.